Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And Systematic Theology 3 we are in, uh, specifically eschatology, and today we are talking about the resurrection. Uh, the Bible uh, speaks rather plainly, speaks simply, uh, but also limitedly, limitedly about this uh, topic. Uh, and so since we want to be controlled by the scriptures, there's literally only much, so much that we can say. Uh, and so as a result, this may be a shorter episode, uh, but we'll see. Uh, it's funny because you're right. It doesn't say that much. And there's always those questions, right? It's kind of like when I was preaching through um, Revelation and he will give you a white stone with a, a new name that nobody knows. Yeah, but what's the name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah, but what do you think? But it what do you be? think it is? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know. <laughs> you can't, don't even have a guess. <sighs> so go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. So be warned. Yes. <laughs> um, so when when Christ saved us, uh, ho- hopefully we've made this clear a little bit so far. But He did not just redeem our soul uh, slash our spirit, but He also saved us as whole people. Uh, and so his redemption includes the salvation of our very bodies. Actually, and that I'm doing a, ser- a short little series out of this um, speech by Stephan in Acts 7. Yeah. And I'm doing a little riff on just the doctrine of deliverance and redemption and salvation. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to drive home is we think, we tend to think just we got saved from sin, but that's not the salvation. It's far bigger. In fact, the sin was the impediment. That keeps us from understa- uh, experiencing salvation. Salvation is much more bigger, broader, and glorious. So, yeah, um, resurrection is a great topic to talk about. Yeah. Well, if you need some content for your sermon, uh, there's this podcast called Faith and Fable that I heard is doing something about the resurrection. They're they're iffy. <laughs> um, boy, that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're both a little punch drunk, and also we're <laughs> operating with no internet, so f- be warned, Matt is trying to desperately read his, his uh, side oh. of the script on his phone, and if you could see how little is showing on the screen at any given time, um, it's not because we're just dumb. <laughs> it's like we're half blind, and we're limited, and how well we'll do this. So we're going to give it a try, though, guys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- th- that's key, though, is to understand the salvation is, belongs to more than the soul. It's also your body. So sometimes people will talk about how Christ brings salvation to the soul. Uh, you'll hear often people say uh, evangelism is that task of soul winning. Yep. Uh, but technically, that, that's an insufficient, and how would you say it's a bad way to talk about salvation? Yes. Um, I, I know what they mean, but it's, it's inept. Uh, that that is not the perspective of the scriptures, uh, because the, the gospel uh, is a salvation uh, that is far more holistic than that. So as a result, salvation will not be complete until our bodies are set free from the effects of sin in the fall. Um, 
So th this salvation will not really happen or be completed uh, until Christ returns and raises our bodies from the dead. Uh, so although we talk about fellow Christians as saved people, like, hey, he's saved or I'm saved, uh, technically that's not accurate. Uh, it's not been realized fully. Yes. Yeah, so the Bible say we have been saved, we're being saved, but then it ultimately says we shall be saved. Yes. Um, so our ultimate hope is not to be with Jesus as disembodied beings. Uh, rather, our ultimate hope is our resurrected bodies from the dead because God has designed humans to be embodied. So again, this is one of those the, the great hopes of the Christian faith. Uh, we talk a lot about heaven, talk a lot about being free from sin, um, but that's not, that's not the full hope. No. Um, scripture presents our ultimate hope as including those things, but it begins to culminate in the resurrection of the body from the dead. So, so what is the point? Well, that we're not, that we are still not fully saved even in the intermediate state. And in fact, it's a very awkward place we're at. Yeah. Um, so with that, salvation is to experience freedom from sin, but freedom from sin as an embodied being. Amen. So let's get some biblical teaching then on the resurrection. In John 5, verses 25 to 29, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. So do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice, and shall come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now, there's many passages that speak of the resurrection, and we won't read all of them because we'll just simply get repetitive. But most of them focus on the resurrection of the believer. They're given to us for the purpose of having hope. However, this is a good passage because it shows how unbelievers will also be resurrected as well. So whether you hold to one resurrection, which we've already mentioned, the amillennial and the postmillennial would say, or you hold to two separate resurrections, which is a correct and biblical view, uh, <laughs> which is what a premillennial position holds, nonetheless, all positions hold to a resurrection of both believers and unbelievers. Now, we can debate over how this will work out in its specifics, but all orthodox Bible-believing Christians hold to a resurrection of the believer and unbeliever. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that is, yeah, and there's a lot of passages we could go to, but um, let's talk about the nature then of the resurrected body. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44 and also verse 49 is a good one for this. Uh, Paul there writes, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. That's an interesting Mm -hmm. statement right there. Uh, and then verse 49, and just as uh, we 
have been born the no, it, just as we have born, born the image. Help them. Sorry, my thing flipped yeah. on me. Okay, and just as we have <laughs> born the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. This is a key passage, and it's quite broad. Um, and there are also a series of parallels and contrasts here that are yeah. taking place. So you have perishable, dishonor, weakness, and natural, all being contrasted then with imperishable, glory, power, spiritual. Uh, and they're set in strong contrast. So first, Paul says, our current earthly body is characterized by perishability. In other words, it's growing older, uh, breaking down. Uh, its functions are on a trajectory of increasing cessation, and one day it will finally give way and simply perish. Um, that is its nature. Yeah. Um, theologically speaking, it is what is considered ademic, um, coming from Adam. Uh, it is defined by the man of the dust. Uh, so from dust we came, and to dust we shall return. I just literally conducted a funeral, and I looked at a lot of people who are either Roman Catholic or flat out in absolute rejection of the Christian faith. And so I drove that point home hard. It's like, we can all talk about his life or your life or this or that, but the real reality is that we're all hurtling toward the same end. We're all going to die. Why? And we talked about Adam, and yeah. that in Adam we die. So it, it, you're right. Amen. Yeah. Um, second thing Paul says here is that these bodies have been sown in dishonor. Uh, so this is, this is why we wear clothes. Um, we cover our shame. This is coming from Genesis. Uh, our bodies bear the effects of sin, the effects of pride, uh, and that is why they're dishonorable. Uh, third, they're also weak, as Paul says. Uh, this one emphasizes our limitations. Yeah. Uh, our desire will often be to push, but our bodies literally won't let us. Um, and this is seen in great ways just the older that you get. You know, actually, we, we mentioned this on our Doctrine of Man, that there are uh, Gabar, Gabar, which uh, talks about man in his might, his strength, oh, his yes. glory. But there's, I'm, I'm trying to remember the word. Um, it's not nephesh, that's soul. I can't remember. It's too many uh, months ago, or actually probably years. But um, it actually emphasizes man in his weakness, mm -hmm. that, that he's but a living, breathing entity that is going to die. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth uh, thing he says here is that our bodies are natural, uh, so this is speaking of actually lacking glory, lacking an eternality. Uh, so our bodies are set in parallel with everything else in a fallen, broken world. Uh, so quite simply, they're weak and they're, they're going away. Yeah. Um, however, Paul then, he goes on to describe our resurrection bodies as the polar opposite. Um, in other words, it will never grow old. It will never wear out. Presumably, we will not have clothes because there will be no shame to cover. Uh, and so on and so forth. So then in verse 44, Paul also states that our bodies will be raised in power, um, depending on how you want to take that phrase, um, literally in the realm of power. Yeah, the sphere. I was thinking sphere of power. Yeah. Um, the and It's not that we're going to look like Superman. Exactly. That we're now powerful. It's yeah. in this realm of God's power is where we will then dwell and yeah. be raised into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, you actually have Superman. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, it's interesting prepositional phrase because it, 
preposition end with the day, it could be in, uh, instrument yes. raised by the instrument of God's power. But here it seems to indicate since he's talking about spheres between the right. natural and the spiritual. And um, so he'll, you'll be in the realm of power. So again, yeah, this does not mean that we're going to be like Superman, uh, that we're going to have this like super deity. Uh, but it does mean that we'll become powerful in a manner that is proper for humans. Yes. Uh, so instead of being typified by our Adamic or natural existence, we'll be forever typified by Christ or our spiritual nature, uh, as he mentions there in verse 44. So we'll be fully conformed at that point to Christ's very own image. And this is the very last phase of our sanctification. Uh, we have been fully and finally set apart for God's use to bring him glory as our creator. Now, some additional thoughts then. Uh, these are theological points that are extrapolated or implied from these ideas. The first is that our resurrected body will have both continuity and discontinuity with our earthly bodies. Uh, first of all, the disciples, uh, when Christ arose and they met him, they did not immediately recognize Jesus. So there's that discontinuity. You can see that in like John 21.4 or Luke 24.13 to 35. Now, we don't know exactly why. Perhaps Jesus veiled his identity to them, but regardless, he was not immediately recognizable. It's true of Mary as well. So it says, um, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Uh, they're kind of assuming her gender. I don't know. Well, they're angels. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> what do they know about gender? Yeah, yeah golly. Um, and he said, and she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not where they have laid him. When he, she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, that one, <laughs> yeah. that one always blows me away. It's like, I have all these options. I'm just going to go with gardener. <laughs> oh, poor lady. Uh, and, and, and you know that we'd be even worse, you know? What are you trespassing here for? Go away. Um, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So in this fascinating passage, Mary didn't recognize, or, uh, didn't recognize Jesus' voice in verse 15, so you have the discontinuity. But then all of a sudden, she could recognize his voice in verse 16, and there's the continuity. So in one sense, Jesus was not was recognizable, but in another sense, he was not. I also find it just quickly interesting that she couldn't recognize him when he said woman, but then when she he called her by name, oh. all of a sudden uh, she knew him. And I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to study that passage more because I think there's some significance to I that. I see what you're getting but, at, yeah. Now, additionally, we see the continuity in that Jesus' resurrect, re resurrected body kept its nail-pierced hands and the spear that pierced his side in John, uh, John 20, verse 7. I mean, he literally tells Thomas, stick your hands in my side. Yeah, <laughs> which is grody. 
Uh, that's my theological word for that. But it, but it's interesting because a lot of people, I don't know if we get to this in the script, but I get told that you can't have a physical reign of Christ in the premillennial kind of view because it's a spiritual reign. And it, and it But they can't tell me what spiritual is. It's like Jesus was raised, and it was a spiritual body, just like 1 Corinthians 15 says, but he still has his body. Right. So whatever a spiritual body is, it's still a physical body. It's just not a fallen. It's not. It doesn't belong to this realm, this age that's defined by sin and death and weakness and all of that. So in some way, he maintains those scars, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, third, then there's also continuity in that the resurrected body is physical, but there's discontinuity in that it does not seem to be limited by physical properties. For example, Jesus could appear on the other side of closed doors, like in John 20, 26. In fact, John refers to Jesus's post-resurrection appearances as manifestations. He can make himself visible and invisible at will. So what does that mean for us in eternity? Our answer? Who knows? <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> we don't, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool to think about, yeah, it you know. Is. It's yeah. like, that's going to make hide-and-seek yeah. pretty wicked. <laughs> All over the universe. Yeah. 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 Not constrained three-dimensionally at all. You hiding uh, behind Pluto? (laughs) Psych. (laughs) Anyhow, fourth, there is continuity seen in that Jesus eats food in John 21, yet discontinuity in that he doesn't need food. So presumably he doesn't need food because his body is not subject to perishableness, and if you don't eat, you die. Therefore, food would not be needed. It's an extrapolation, but it does seem more likely the resurrected body will be the way it was back in the Garden of Eden. Food is for the enjoyment, but not nourishment or energy. Now, there's other points we could observe, but the point is that is there that both a continuity and a discontinuity exist. You will be a perfect version of what you are right now. So in 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him just as he is. So since there is some discontinuity, we can say the resurrection is not merely resuscitation. That's really a good point. Yeah, we're not just being brought back. Right. Uh, uh, it's something far better. It's not simply merely reinserting life into the body, but it's raising the old body, but now with a completely new nature. Uh, You will have a gender. You will have gender as presumably Jesus maintained his maleness. Additionally, to be engendered is an essential property of what it means to be human. It's not an accidental one. Your gender is essential to what makes you, you. Also, Adam and Eve were engendered in their pre-fall bodies. How old will you be in heaven? The Bible doesn't say, though um, I may have my opinions. What what, what do you think? Yeah, this is interesting because I did get this question. um, You know, like, what do you do with, like, like a really old person? Yeah. Or depending on what you think about babies going to heaven or not, what what will happen there with them? Are they just going to be little chubby things right yeah um and short answer is we don't know the bible doesn't say however uh it seems reasonable to me that you'll be in the prime of life whatever that is because that's how we created adam and eve i've i was always taught 
I mean, again, that's just opinion, though, that we will be in our 30s just like Jesus was when he died. Oh. that I mean, that's what I got taught. Um, not a single verse. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. But, um, but it's that idea that it's, and so in some way we will be, whatever think, it is, it doesn't matter because we'll be perfectly fit for eternity. Yes. Well, I think about, so you, you think life happens or begins at conception. Mm -hmm. So what happens to a two-day-old fertilized egg that doesn't make it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you had a full human there or mm -hmm. the image of God. Mm -hmm. It was just mm -hmm. about as least developed as it could be. Yeah. So what will they have, just that? Yeah. Or will it be a body? Um, so hard to be definitive about any of that, of course. Uh, second, the resurrection body will be a, or the resurrection of the body will be a Trinitarian work. Uh, so Romans 8.11 but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. So here the father raised the son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the implication then is that we too will be raised by the father in the power of the spirit because we're in the resurrected son. That's kind of cool too. Yeah. Uh, and then a third and final point is that the resurrection of the new body is not a process, but something that happens instantly and in a moment. Hmm. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 15, 52, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. So it will be, instant, it'll be glorious, and it will be without process. So it's not like we're digging ourselves out of the grave like a zombie <laughs> in the graveyard of a horror movie, <laughs> climbing out. Uh, however, how, that, how it works itself out exactly is difficult to even speculate on. Yeah. But boy, you sure do want to speculate. Yeah. Um, so there you have it. Uh, many more passages could be examined, but this is just sort of meant to be an overview. And so we do hope it was of help. Uh, the most important thing to remember when it comes to the resurrection is that our hope of the resurrection is meant to provide us a true hope. Uh, so this is not a hope in the sense that we're desiring for something, but we're still uncertain of it. Um, and so we just, you know, hope it will work out in hmm. the end. Rather, this is a hope in something that is known and certain. Uh, it's certain because it's been revealed to us by God. And so as a result, the certainty of this hope is meant to motivate us in a joyful obedience. Um, for we know with certainty what is to come. Uh, it's also meant to motivate us to take on risks for the gospel. Um, in the end, it doesn't really matter what happens to these bodies. Um, so to quote Paul, we should expend them for the sake of Christ uh, and for his kingdom. This This reminds me again of my series right now. I'm in... Acts, Stephan is being drugged before the council. They want him to give answer to his charges. Instead of defending himself, he proclaims judgment upon them. He shows them that the history of Israel is rejecting all these different men God raised up to be saviors with the ultimate of obviously being Christ the Savior, and they rejected him. Um, you know, instead of trying to keep himself alive and figure out a way around all of this, he just simply goes for it. it and I, I'm convinced that he knew he wasn't going to get out of that life. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so, but that that wasn't the goal. 
Right. The goal is to glorify God um, and the certainty of the resurrection to come. So if that happens, that can radically change how you approach your cancer, how you approach your uh, impending death, um, your age. Uh, you can you can think you're postponing your life because you're taking certain supplements. You're not. God has fixed a day for every one of us that we will die. We can't add. I mean, either we believe Jesus or not, yeah. you cannot add a single cubit, right, um, to your life's length. Uh, so instead of worrying about those things, why don't you just get busy doing what you said? Um, that is that we are to be in joyful obedience, knowing that with certainty a resurrection is to come. We can't lose. Yeah, amen. Um, we would also say that you should steward your body well, because it is a gift of God, but just never forget they've been sown in perishableness. Yeah. They're going to die, in other yeah. words. Um, so use your body well. Uh, it is a vessel to honor God. It is not actually yours, but his. Uh, so we must use it in accordance to his design. Um, it is temporary, it is fleeting, but it is also a wonderful gift. So use it for the sake of Christ and the honor of his name. So that's all we got for now. Uh, next time we'll talk about the final judgment uh, and uh, as well as the new heavens and the new earth. But until then, make sure to tune, tune in, join the conversation. Let us know your thoughts on the resurrection. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And tell a friend. Mm-hmm.